My name is Thomas, and I struggle with doubt. I followed Jesus for years. From the very first day he called me, I saw things so amazing that defied explanation. I believed. But then things fell apart. I witnessed the betrayal that led to the cruel march to Calvary and his agonizing crucifixion. I survived, but everyone I knew scattered. My world collapsed. Then came news of the empty tomb, the very first Easter. But I resisted. The image of his broken, lifeless body was still burned into my memory. I experienced his death that I couldn't believe. Not until I see the scars with my own eyes and touch them with my own hands, I told the others. I wasn't ready to put my trust in something again. But Jesus came to me. He knew my doubts. He even named them. But he wasn't angry. He didn't rebuke me or dismiss me. He looked at me with those familiar eyes and offered me his scarred hands inside. In that moment, I experienced his resurrection and I believed. I know firsthand it's difficult to believe in what you can't see. And yet all around you are people whose lives and stories have scars that bear witness to the meaning of Easter. Yes, these people have been wounded, but they've experienced redemption and healing through Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were meant to rescue the doubters, the debtors, and the broken. People like you and me. He met my doubts with grace and love, and he only asked one thing of me. Believe. Welcome to Marine Creek. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here. Um, our whole purpose and goal and desire today is to... Uh, have an environment where you encounter Jesus in a way that you maybe never have before. So we hope that everything designed with this service is uh, set you on a collision course with Jesus this morning. And uh, Thomas uh, has been on my heart lately, and uh, I uh, gonna we're just gonna admit some things up front. I struggle with doubt. Uh, I can see the evidence, and I can see everything that God is doing and, and going through in my life and doing. And I still struggle with doubt. Um, I tend to try to think more concretely with my faith, um, and so I just have to lock in there with Scripture, and I have to pray it through and, and say, God, I need your help. And, uh, and so I think I am not alone in this process of doubting and questioning uh, what's going on around me, what's going on with my faith. And so uh, this Easter, I want to look at the reality of the resurrection in terms of, of how we approach it uh, much like Thomas, because Thomas is human, we're all humans. If you've doubted, welcome to being human. Um, if you've ever struggled with your faith, welcome to humanity. Um, that's a statement you'll hear me say where if you're talking about something you're struggling with, or I just don't know why I can't fix this. 
welcome to humanity, buddy. Um, we're all in this same boat together. And uh, uh, we have a, also have a saying called, me too, you know. And man, I'm struggling with doubt. You know what? Me too. So if you're doubting and you're here this morning, you are in the right place. Um, and we hope to encourage you uh, through those doubts. If you're here this morning and you're not doubting... Um, we also hope to encourage you in some ways, in some areas of your faith, to begin to doubt uh, so that you are driven to ask questions and to find more revelation of who God is. Uh, the beautiful thing about doubt is, yes, it is human, but it's fixable. Um, doubt in faith is a little bit more of a struggle, I think, personally, because you know I can doubt that this stage is going to hold me up. I can doubt so many things, but when I have doubts in my faith, it's really a personal doubt. I'm finding myself uh, doubting the person of Jesus. I'm doubting the work of Christ. And I I find myself really in a place that, honestly, the the enemy likes me to be uh, be in doubt because he likes to guilt me because of my doubt. And I start thinking, well, man, am am I really someone who can say I follow Jesus? And the enemy just kind of pushes me down this dark corner and says, if you doubt, how can you ever believe? How can you ever have that faith? And uh, so this morning, we're going to look at Thomas, and we're going uh, to explore our doubts and his doubts, and uh, hopefully we will be on track uh, to really just have a collision with Jesus. If you've got your Bible, go to John chapter 20. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows. If you do not have a Bible of your own, you are free to take that, write your name in it, take it home, make it your own. Um, make notes in the margin. We believe in keeping notes and, and seeing what's going on uh, with Scripture. But while you're going there, um, I was thinking about this message. This Easter message has been on my heart for about a month. And, and uh, I have gone through some things personally that kind of uh, challenged me in my faith. I've seen God do some incredible things in our church community. Um, about a month ago, we had our one-year anniversary service, and we baptized nine people. And, and those people, that afternoon, I was sitting with Heather and just reflecting, God, we didn't know those people a year ago. And, and I was just had this great moment. And then after that, I think the devil just kind of started smacking me around and just pushing some, uh, some stuff on me. And I just had to lock in with God and figure this out. And uh, I was driving down the road, and, and I don't know if you're like me. I drive when I'm by myself. I find myself just getting deep in thought. When Heather's in the car with me, I really don't think at all because I know she's watching the road for me. But if Heather's not in the car, I have these great things in the roadway to help me. Um, they're called rumble strips. I don't know if you've ever encountered these things. Um, I've used this analogy for, before where you want to live your life between the and the da-da-da-da. Well, I hit the, I was on that rumble strip, man. And, and I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, God and I are having a deep conversation. Um, and so all of a sudden, I feel the truck going, and, and that noise. If you have kids and you're on a road trip, if they're fighting in the back seat, I've learned this. It's not, don't make me come back there. I'll turn this car around. You don't want me to stop this car. All you got to do for about a half a mile ride on those rumble strips and just ignore it. And they're like, Dad, come on. I mean, that, that's behavioral modification for your kids, okay? There are multi, 
uh, purposes for those rumble strips on the side of the road. But I, I, was, I was talking to God about my doubt, and I found myself on the rumble strip. And I thought, you know what? Doubt is just like that. Doubt is, are those things, those bumps in the road that as we're going along, uh, we may be just cruising with our faith. We may be locked in with God and saying, God, I, I, I feel like I'm doing what you've called me to do. I feel like I'm living the life I'm made to live, and I feel like I'm having great purpose and impact for you, but I'm just kind of starting to hit these bumps. And when, once you find yourself on the rumble strips, you've got to be careful. You can't jerk the wheel either way. You've got to slowly move. But there's a question you always ask yourself when you hit those bumps. It's, how did I get here? I mean, when, when you're in doubt, don't stay there. Um, but begin to question yourself, how did I get here? What's going on in my life? Did I, did I fall asleep spiritually? Um, spiritually, is there anything going on? You know, they call it highway hypnosis. And we can get so just kind of mundane in our relationship with God and our life becomes so mediocre that you just don't realize you're swaying in the lane until you hit those rumble strips and it's going to wake you up. And so I want to challenge you to ask yourself those questions. Thomas was going the right way with Jesus. I mean, Thomas had followed Jesus for the years of his ministry and he was going the right way, but he found himself in doubt. Now, Thomas has gotten the name Doubting Thomas I mean, how would you like to be known for the rest of history for your greatest failure? You know, like, um, hey, lying Matt, how are you? Or, you know, I mean, fine. Well, I, Thomas actually overcame that doubt um, and became, I would say, revolutionized Thomas because God's presence transformed Thomas into believing Thomas. And we like to pick on him for doubting Thomas, but I think the reason we like to pick on people is because we find ourselves very much like them, and we want to deflect that. So we're not going to pick on Thomas this morning. We are going to study him and find out how much we really are like Thomas. And here's one thing I'm going to say about doubt. Everyone encounters doubt. If you can honestly tell me that you have never doubted, you know what my response is going to be to you? I doubt it. You have encountered doubt. We all have encountered doubt. Doubt. Let me read to you the scripture. It's in John 20. We're going to start with this Thomas account, verse 24. Um, and you saw it played out a little bit on the video before. But verse 24 starts here. It says, Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. See, what happens is on Easter morning, um, the, the Mary and the, uh, goes to the tomb. The stone has been rolled away. The angel says, Why do you look for the living among the dead? The one who you seek is not here. He is alive. And that sparks this huge, uh, just emotional charge and everything going on in the disciples' lives. That night, Thomas was not there, but the disciples are in the room. And Jesus comes in and says, what's up? No, he says, peace with you. Um, he would have to say peace because I would need a, a change of, of robe. Uh, you know, if the doors are locked and the doors were locked because they were fear of oppression. But Jesus walks in and says, peace be with you. I was like, yes, and a new, new garment, please. Um, but... Thomas was not there. And so the following week is when this is taking place. And so uh, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not there on the original Easter when the disciples came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas says this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, I will not believe. See, Thomas didn't want to accept a secondhand faith. I mean, the other disciples had seen it. Thomas had seen the miracles that Jesus had performed. I mean, think about it. Years of miracles. Death, 
dead people coming to life, blind people receiving their sight, lame walking, the deaf here, all of these things he had seen. But the miracles don't prove who God is. The miracles are kind of side to really who God is. And Thomas was having kind of this emotional doubt. I think a lot of people begin to walk away from their faith because they have an emotional disappointment. Things don't go their way. Maybe the prayer didn't get answered the way you wanted it to. Maybe there's questions you have about the Bible that you just don't understand. And you just begin to face this emotional disappointment with God. And then you slowly just walk away. Let me say this about your your faith. If you've never thought about your faith enough to doubt deeply, you probably have not thought about your faith enough to believe deeply. You see, Thomas had seen what Jesus had done. Thomas was challenged, and Thomas had questions. Thomas was asking those questions in the right place to the right people. You know, he didn't take his doubts and go find more doubts to support the doubts. You find yourself in that crazy spiral. What Thomas was seeking was the truth. He said, unless I see it, unless I touch it, unless there's a revelation that I experience that he is alive, that that is Jesus the Messiah, that I saw hung on the cross, that I helped take down and put in the tomb, unless I can have that revelation myself and touch him, I will not believe it. I've got to commend Thomas for that because everyone else can have faith and and it cannot be imposed on me. It can be shared with me, but it doesn't become real until I have that revelation that says I have been in the presence of God and he has overcome my doubt. He named my doubt. He said, Matt, touch it. Come on, get in here, lock in with this. And that revelation is what allows me to overcome my doubt. All of the great heroes of faith, if you read Hebrews 11, They have doubted. They have asked those tough questions of God. God, why did good things happen to bad people? God, why don't you answer the prayers the way I want them to answer? Why did the evil prosper and the good get beat down? All of those questions have already been asked of God. All of those heroes of faith have gone through that doubt. And we have to understand that doubt is normal. It's real. And God will use doubtful people for great things when we bring that doubt to God. Let me tell you this. The solution for doubt is not getting all of our questions answered. Answers will not bring us to Jesus. Answers will not help us with a relationship with a risen Savior. It's only revelation that is going to bring us to that point. If we get all our questions answered, we might be smarter about God, but we haven't been in that revelation. I mean, Thomas could have sat there with the disciples going, but what about this? Hey, you know what? Jesus had a hangnail on his left toe when, he, when I saw him walking up the mountain. Did he have that? Yes. Well, did Jesus, was his beard like, yes. Was, was Jesus, yes. But are you sure that, yes. But until Thomas experienced that presence, it didn't affect Thomas. You tracking with that? We've got to understand that Jesus is the only solution for doubt. I mean, we we try to find different things to explain our doubts. Let me read this to you, verse 26. A week later, this is the week after Easter, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
peace be with you again. You know, it's kind of like, Jesus, you did that to me last week, man. Come on. You know, we were watching America's Funniest Home Videos, and they had something stuck in the washing machine. They opened it, and they were just videoing people freaking out. I think Jesus was starting to have fun with this. He's probably like the angels, like, watch this. This is going to be fun. I don't know. Jesus has a sense of humor, and I think he might have been using it here a little bit. But he says, peace be with you. I'm amazed that when Jesus shows up, when the presence of Jesus comes into my life, comes into the room, comes into reality, how much peace there is around us. I mean, these men were in fear of their life. Uh, the whole empire and kingdom that they had spent with Jesus thinking that they were building, they saw it just torn down. And they weren't realizing the prophecy in the scripture of like, he had to do this and he will rise again. And they were in fear of his life, but he came in. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas says this, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We've got to understand. Let me, let me point out something too. The text doesn't say that Thomas actually touched Jesus. You see, I, I really believe that the presence of Jesus is what transforms our doubts. It, it's, it's not the physical. We, we spend a lot of time trying to find the visible and the physical and the, the tangible hands-on. And I'm a very hands-on guy. Uh, most guys are wired very hands-on. Ladies, you have the ability and think in ways that we don't possess and you can abstractly converse about a subject and gain an understanding. Guys, we've got to get our hands on it. We've got to tear it apart. It doesn't mean we can put it back together, but we've got to be able to tear it apart, okay? It has to be something physical. And we spend too much of our time trying to chase the physical, the visible, instead of the presence of God. And, and we, we, think that, we think that we can't ask questions. I mean, I, I'm a guy... I, I feel like I can't ask directions. I can't ask questions because, uh, honestly, it may f- I may feel like I'm showing how stupid I really am. But God made us as intellectual people. And he desires us to use our intellect to grow. I mean, the, God made us inquisitive kids. If you have kids and, and, you know, they ask a lot of questions. I was talking with a family yesterday at Spring Spectacular, and she's like, my, my kids are just asking a lot of questions about God that I don't know the answers to. I'm like, good, come on to church. Um, but, but she was like, but sometimes it's just overwhelming because I can't keep up with all the questions. Kids are that way. Like, they, it will start just like, why is the sky blue? <laughs> and that's a loaded question. Not because it's a hard answer, but because you know there's about 8 million questions coming behind that. And as a parent, you're on your way home. You're like, I just got off work. Okay, it's been a rough day. Honey, I'll explain. Talk to your dad, you know. (laughs) So, but we are, God desires us to be that way. He made us with these minds that, that are just, we just desire to know. And we're like, God, why? God, what is this about? God, show me this. God, how does this work? And God loves our questions. I think we get afraid to ask God questions because honestly, sometimes in churches, when we have doubts and we start to ask questions, we get turned away because of other people's response to our questions. Well, you shouldn't question God. You should just have faith. Well, how do you have faith? Where did you get your faith from? My mama gave it to me. <laughs> All right, then. Enough said. But we have to question. God desires us to be intellectual. I love the compassion of Jesus in that. He just said, Thomas... Stop doubting and believe. 
if I would have just come out the tomb and Thomas was that way, Thomas, what are you thinking, man? We've been, you've known me. <laughs> come on, idiot. Yeah, I, that's how I would have interacted with Thomas, but that's why I'm not Jesus. Um, Jesus had compassion on him. He said, Thomas, I know you got questions. I know your doubts. Come on, lock in here, buddy. Touch it. Reach. I mean, I think the presence of God transformed him. And the beautiful thing is when the presence of Jesus shows up in our life, then everyone can overcome doubt. It's not a matter of if you have doubt, it's when. But are you going to be willing to do what it takes to overcome it? Are you going to be willing to ask the tough questions? Are you going to seek truth? Are you going to seek revelation? What I've learned about my faith is questions lead to answers, which lead to more questions, which lead to answers, which lead to more questions. And I find myself in a cycle. What I've started praying for is, God, I'm not just looking for answers. I'm looking for revelation. I'm looking for a revelation of who you really are because Jesus overshadows all of that. Jesus overshadows the answers that I might find. And, and Thomas had the ability to reach out and touch Jesus. I think the way we can overcome doubt is let's work more at believing than we do at doubting. I can put a lot of energy into my doubts. I can. I mean, when I'm struggling, when I'm facing hard things, when, when things are not going my way and I might have an emotional disappointment or, or God, I was really praying for this and it didn't happen, the way, especially the way I wanted it to happen, I need to work harder at believing that God is working for the best. And yes, God desires me to be in good shape, but God is looking at humanity. And, and I can't be selfish and say, but God, what about me? God loves us and desires to care for us, but we have to understand that God sees the bigger picture. And so let's work at believing. You know, Thomas, I, I commend him because he had the ability to physically reach out and touch Jesus. Uh, just because I'm a pastor, I've not had some crazy experience where Jesus showed up in my room. I've never touched Jesus. I've never physically touched him. I've never physically seen Jesus. But I've experienced the presence of God in my life. Because Jesus told his disciples the Easter night that he was raised, he, he breathed on his disciples and they were filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came in the upper room And he says, this is my presence. Jesus told his disciples, he said, it is better for you that I go because he's coming. My spirit is coming. The counselor's coming. And I have felt the work of that Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when we put our faith, our hope, our belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as the Lord, as Messiah, then that Holy Spirit fills us. It fills our life. And it transforms us. And it says the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us. And that presence is how we begin to experience the revelation of God. Not in a crazy way. I've seen how the Holy Spirit can, can, can be manipulated, how it can come out in different ways. And I'm not speaking against anything. I'm just saying this. The Holy Spirit, when he works in your life, it is going to make Jesus very clear. The Holy Spirit never does anything to confuse who Jesus is. And so when the Holy Spirit works in your life, Jesus is made more clear to you and to the world around you so that the presence of God, so people can say, unless I see Jesus and touch him, I'm not believing. And that Holy Spirit presence in you begins to transform that because the presence of God transforms doubt to belief. So I will tell you, 
that when we are in doubt, we need to seek the presence of God. Not the visible, not proof. But say, God, I've got doubts. I've got questions. Here are my questions. Ask them of, of people in, in, around you. You have people here that are, that are me too people struggling with doubt, struggling with faith, struggling with belief. But we have experienced the presence of God in our life. And ask those questions. You have a safe place to ask questions here at the creek. And I love that about our people. And we are going to continue to grow in this faith. Here's what happens in verse 30 and 31. This is the whole reason why John wrote this whole gospel account. He said, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see the death on the cross Jesus laying in the tomb physically and spiritually overcoming hell and death and then physically walking out of that tomb on Easter morning was not so we can touch scars, not so that we can have Jesus in a locked room. It's so that we can have life, that we can have a life that is truly life, that these scriptures, God's word is inspired so that our belief, our faith can grow in Romans ten seventeen, it says, faith comes by hearing and by the, hearing the message of Christ. When we gather like this, when we spend time in God's word, we are growing in faith. And that's how salvation comes. The empty tomb, the cross, are reflections of salvation through Jesus, through his sacrifice. Salvation does not come when we get all our questions answered. Like I said, we may be smarter people, but salvation comes not when God answers our questions, but when we answer God's question. When God's asking us, what are you going to do with Jesus? What does that cross mean to you? What does that empty tomb mean? Do you trust that Jesus, do you trust in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection? I think the question God asks us back is exactly what Jesus asked Peter in Matthew 16 when he said, who do you say I am? Because as Peter's response was, my Lord and my God, Thomas in the presence of Jesus was so transformed that he didn't even have to be asked the question, but it was on the heart, who do you say I am, Thomas? Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And the doubts are still there. The doubts begin to move in the background as faith overcomes it. What I love about faith is God gives us the faith to believe. I can't conjure it up. So if you're here this morning and you're doubting, you're in good company. I want to encourage you to walk with us because we all struggle. We all have questions. Walk with us and begin to let the presence of God so transform you. And if you're here and you don't doubt, begin to ask God to stretch your faith. God, challenge me. God, I don't want to become mediocre and just kind of drift in the lane. God, let me hit the rumble strips to wake me up spiritually so that I can begin to ask those questions and answer my Lord and my God. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you so much that this day is a celebration of life, of your life, and not just a life lived on earth. 
God, today is a celebration of the life Jesus gave on a cross for us, a celebration of the work done in the tomb, and a celebration of Jesus walking out of that tomb on Easter morning. And so, God, we don't mourn as people who have no hope. Our hope is in the cross. Our hope is in you. And, God, we do come to you and we have questions. We have doubts. We struggle. God, we're being honest with you. That is the only way we know to come to you is to be honest and say, sometimes we struggle with doubt. God, would you show up in our life? Would you so fill us with your presence, God, that we experience the peace of Jesus saying, touch my scars, put your hand here. And in compassion, Jesus looks on us and says, stop doubting and believe. Would you give us that faith to overcome that belief? And Father, I I ask that if there's anyone here this morning that, that maybe their doubt has kept them from just entering a relationship with you, it's not about a religion. It's not following a set of rules. It's not serving enough. It's not giving. It's nothing but looking to you with all of our heart, our soul, our guts, our strength and saying, my Lord and my God. So, Father, I ask for you to give courage to anyone in that room that that doubt has kept them from a relationship with you. Doubt has kept them from your presence. God, would you reach into their life with compassion. And as they feel your presence in that draw, God, it's not a fancy prayer. It's just saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my God. at that moment that's my faith is in the cross faith is in an empty tomb faith is in Jesus my Savior my Lord my God Lord let this Easter mean something for every one of us Father may we not just celebrate Easter as a day where you overcame sin death and the cross but let us be a reflection every day of our life that the tomb is empty, that your presence dwells within us, and may we live a good reflection of your presence and your character to the world around us.